0: Digital Marketing Radio, episode 260. How to be an exceptional virtual presenter. Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. Hi, I'm David Bain, and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the podcast and YouTube show for in house agency and entrepreneurial marketers who want to stay on top of the latest tools, tactics, and trends as shared by today's modern marketing masters. How many times over the last 17 months have you turned up to yet another Zoom meeting only to hear a cacophony of nonsense and a presenter struggling to share their slides? So you say to yourself, if that were me, I'd be so much better. And the week after, it's your turn. So you start your presentation fully on form and completely muted. Virtual presentation skills are now more important than ever. And that's exactly what I'm going to be discussing with my guest on Digital Marketing Radio, episode 260. He is the co founder of Unbounce, the landing page platform utilized by over 15,000 brands. And nowadays, you can find him helping you to become a better and more confident presenter, whether it's on a big stage, a tiny stage, or a virtual stage. Welcome to DMR, Ollie Gardner.
1: Thanks for having me on, David. 260, that's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of
0: episodes. Yeah, thank you very much. And there was a a bit of a gap going on as well, actually, because um, I um, did them just about every week or even more often than that between 2014 and 2017, took a big gap and now I'm restarting again. But um, it's good restarting again. Um, You need to know, I guess, when to take a bit of a breather. Um, But that doesn't seem to be like yourself. You're, You're straight... From inbounds onto uh, unbounce, sorry, onto onto another project here, so <laughs> so it's so, so no gap for yourself at all.
1: Yeah, and I'm still part time at unbounce, so it's a lot of kind of juggling. But I've I've had this you know this idea bubbling for for a while, and yeah, we actually had like a, a partial exit at unbounce. We you know we sold about half the company to private equity, so. Th- you just Gave the opportunity, like, okay, now is the time. I'll go part time, I'll start this. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's I know what you mean, it's tiring just going straight into something else. Mm. But I had so much excitement about it, it, it you know, <laughs> it's coming, it's hitting me now because I'm getting up at 4 a.m. right now because I have so what? much to do. Mm-hmm. And I used to stay up till 4 a.m., but then I had a kid. So now, now I'm on the early side.
0: Okay, okay, I can relate with you, yes. <laughs> um, well, I, I hope you manage to keep on going. I'm sure you will because you're, you're particularly enthusiastic, I think, about this particular topic and that is public speaking skills. So, so why are public speaking skills so important?
1: It's, it can have a massive impact on your confidence in your career and before the The realm of people who want to do it was a bit limited to those who wanted to get on stage and become a public speaker. But now, it because of the pandemic, because everything's gone virtual, it affects everybody. Everybody is in that position where they're presenting, whether it's an actual slide deck they give in a in a meeting, a pitch, or just like an update or something, or an, or a real full blown presentation for you know an online event. But it, it hits everybody and. Most people are really bad at it and it's not their fault, but it's very difficult. And virtual is so different to doing it in the real world. You alluded to some of it, but there are so many technical things that can go wrong. There's so many mistakes you can make because you don't even know how you should be doing it properly. And I just want to help people you know, become more confident, be more successful and, and succeed more, but also for the sake of people watching. <laughs> so they can have a better experience and not sit through those awfully run, you know, presentations that we yes, all see yeah. a lot.
0: Of. I think we've, we've all been through quite a few of them recently, and it's frustrating when yes. people are actually quite good at talking, or supposed to be quite good mm-hmm. presenters but then they switch to online and they're even worse than <laughs> they ever were which is quite concerning and frustrating for the the viewer so on your website be the keynote.com, yep. you give an absolutely wonderful guide to giving virtual presentations on zoom and i love the fact that hmm. you don't even ask for an e- email option uh, for people to read that well why is that i'm new right and
1: Public speaking is such an established concept that getting on page one of Google for that term now probably take me years, but my only, and because I'm so new, I'm going to need so much content before I can rank. So my entire goal with that, with, with that was to have the biggest, most authoritative piece of content on the topic. And I was kind of having a tagline with the release. It's, I don't expect you to read it, but I do hope you'll link to it. So it's my link building play. I'm making it completely open in the hope that people will go, that's amazing. Whenever I'm thinking of writing about doing more virtual presentations, I will link that. So it's it's a a great piece of content.
0: And it's a beautiful piece of content as well. You know, it looks visually um, very appealing certainly as well, and um, you obviously come from a background of, of designing visually appealing landing pages anyway as well. So how about if we zero in on some of the key elements within the guide? It's impossible to, to go over everything just now, but I I went through it and I picked out a few elements that, that particularly appealed to me, and um, I, I guess I hope that it, it'll appeal, uh, appeal to the, the listener, the viewer as well. So number one in um, the virtual presentation do's was Test your slides from the attendee perspective. <laughs> so yeah. many people, I guess, share their slides and can't share their slides or end up sharing them from a presenter perspective. Is that a very common issue? You're just missing a massive piece of context.
1: If you, if you don't look, it's the whole you know, UX walk in your customer's shoes. It's the same thing. The software will do things you don't expect on the viewer's side. And there's a lot of technical things that can go wrong. So I suggest that people log in, say it's on Zoom, you log into the software twice, have, you know, start a meeting, have your presenter view, do everything you would, and then have another, you know, another laptop or something, an iPad, whatever you have, and then log into that meeting with that. So you can see how you look. You know, (laughs) does the background change? The angle change? How do my slides look? because there are many things that can go wrong. If you have any animations or transitions in your slides, there's a very good chance they won't work virtually. They'll either be you know, completely jerky to the point where it's wasted yeah. and it looks terrible, or it, it just won't happen at all. So then you can go, okay, that's not going to work. I'll take that out to speed things up and make it better. If you have video, the same kind of thing can happen. But more importantly, most of the time, depends on your setup, uh, the audio will not work. And unless you're experiencing that, you're not gonna know. The reason that happens, if you've got, um, if you're using your laptop and it's default microphone, which you should never do, because it sounds like garbage. But if you have anything else plugged in, a mic up here, uh, whatever it is, lavalier or just your headphones, that goes in the mic socket that cancels out the system audio playing from your slides. It's impossible for it to go through unless you use software uh, like Loopback or VB Audio or something, audio cable. Basically, that's virtual audio software. Yeah. So it can, you can say, I want the input from my mic, I want the input from Keynote or PowerPoint and Chrome or whatever, and it pipes them all into one single audio source, which is what you choose in the software in Zoom or whatever the platform is instead of your microphone, you choose that, then it combines everything and everything will run smoothly. But unless you've gone through that or tested it, you're going to be in that moment where like, you're going to have people typing in the chat, oh, we can't hear anything. And you're going to get so flustered in the moment and go like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. I used to present webinars with a, a wireless headset, like Janet Jackson kind of style. <laughs> and I hadn't figured out this problem yet. So people were saying in the chat, and on Twitter's live, uh, we can't hear you. So then at the end of the day, uh, what what did I have to do? Um, I had to basically lean, oh yeah, I needed the audio from laptop to, to go through my mic, so the only thing I could do was lean into my laptop, <laughs> put my face next to the speaker, <laughs> so that it would go through this and into the audience, and it just looks ridiculous, it makes people laugh, but winging it can be difficult i survived that one Uh, and after that i started just doing it as a bit of a joke (laughs) until i discovered this virtual audio input software which it changes everything and it's great because you can balance the audio your mic and the audio coming from your slides or whatever so that it's got a nice balance it's not too loud or quiet because that's another thing with virtual presenting a lot of people will have headphones in if you're too loud suddenly Mm. They'll be shocked, they'll either, they'll either stop paying attention, or they'll turn it down. And then your next slide that has audio, maybe it's quiet, and then they can't hear it. They turn it up again, and it's just a terrible experience. You need to have your audio balanced.
0: Absolutely. I actually use uh, virtual audio cable, which I think is what you're talking about there, mm-hmm. just to generate um, an- another Audio out um, because I mix so many different sources of audio as well. Uh, I've used Voice Meter Banana in the past, which is a great piece of software for doing that as well. I I currently use vMix for putting together different video and audio together. And you can really go a different level there as well. And um, when you do your presenting through that and you can start to do things like natively play videos and know that the audio is going to come from the video that you're playing, yeah. then it's wonderful. However, <laughs> the more things that you balance up, the more things that can go wrong. And and you have to be comfortable with dealing yeah. with things as they do go wrong. Because they, they they go wrong for me after several years in the game, and I'm sure for you still. And it's just about how you deal with it. And you alluded to your nice relaxed um reaction to the issue that you had with your audio did, did you think about that reaction beforehand or were you just experienced enough to be able to cope with it at the time it was
1: experience and anyone who's seen me present live more than once will know that i have very technical deck slide decks i really push them to the absolute limit of what they can do so it's it's very common that if there's a tech problem at a conference, it will happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've become very experienced in dealing with that mess. and uh, So yeah, that definitely helped. Now uh, It's something that, like I'm creating a course uh, and a product now, actually. I'm moving into kind of a SaaS product for Be The Keynote. And part of uh, it is, it's basically all about presentation experience design. It's about what you do before you create your slide deck because people jump into slides and, that, and then it's like, writer's block, you know, the blank page. Like, I don't know what to do. And they end up using the default templates that look like absolute shit. Mm-hmm. And then they just go, it's worse from there. Presentation experience design is about designing your presentation or creating the structure, doing everything beforehand. So when you get into your slide software, you know exactly what to do. And one of the, you you define the kind of experience moments you want the audience to have, and you design them purposely into your talk. And one of the layers to that Is you know what I call um you know when poop hits the fan. (laughs) Uh so you can basically you identify all of the places in your presentation where there is a possibility that something will go wrong. And then you think about and you practice what you'll do if that happens so that you're completely prepared. You can make it funny, you can solve a problem, whatever it is, but when you know where it can happen and you And how to deal with it it can be a completely different experience and you build your level of experience your how you deal with it way more quickly and you'll yeah you'll just create a better experience for the audience
0: absolutely and don't ever expect to be completely perfect before you get started otherwise you'll never get started so i guess you'd agree with that
1: absolutely i mean the the first aspect of becoming a presenter is the desire to be better at it you don't have to be better now but just wanting to become better that little moment of deciding that is is a big deal and then you know the next step is to congratulate yourself for the decision to become a speaker in whatever format because it's terrifying for almost everybody and it's hard and you know, you should be proud of yourself that you've decided to make that, that leap because it's something a lot of people don't do, even if they want to, because they're so scared. Imposter syndrome is a massive deal for a lot of people. You know, the belief that I'm not good enough. You know, why do I deserve to be on that stage? Why should people be listening to me? And I suffered for that for about five years. I turned down every speaking gig request and my fear was that someone in the audience, in a Q&A session at the end of my talk, would to live, I'm on the spot, because they're always a bit awkward. Mm. You get this rambling six-part question, you forget <laughs> what it's about by the time they get to the end, you're like, ah. Oh. My fear was that someone would say, well, how do you know? How do you know that's true? And I, no one, I mean, I've traveled the world speaking so many places. Not once has anyone come even remotely close to asking a question like that. Yeah. So uh, that held me back. And if I knew that that was just nonsense, I may have done it more quickly, you know. But it's, yeah, it's a lot of people. I, I, I'd recommend anyone who does suffer from that and that fear. There's a talk by Tiffany De Silva. Just look that up. Uh, Bella Stone is her handle on Twitter. She does this talk related to that and it's inspirational it's absolutely fantastic we had her at TTA Conf, Brent's conference and I asked her specifically to do that talk I saw her do it in uh in Dublin at Learn Inbound and just it was not related to the topic of our conference really I just knew it was going to have a profound impact on people in the audience and it did So uh, you know it's a I encourage people to watch that
0: wonderful resource okay I'll try and find that and include that in the show notes as well. I think it's Confessions of a Marketing Fraud or something. Confessions of Marketing Fraud. Okay, I will attempt to write that down and um, and look that up afterwards. Something else that you mentioned as part of your deck was to build a background set to make your virtual presentations look professional. And we've all been on virtual (laughs) (laughs) events, you know, reviewing them where people have had their washing in the background or whatever, I guess yeah. what are one or two important things not to have and to have in your background?
1: First of all, don't use a Zoom background. Okay. They, they make you look weird and they're not professional. It's fine in a meeting. Go for it. A lot of the people watching, probably a smaller amount of people, they'll be doing it too. That's fine. But just try and start constructing something. You know, you may not have much space in your, in your house wherever you get to do it, but just try, try and find an angle that's a little bit interesting, not too cluttered, and like I have and like you have. One of the best things you can do is get on an angle. Do not be straight to the, you know, the wall behind you and the camera because it just looks very flat and it makes it look like you're getting, you know, you just got arrested and you're getting that photo <laughs> taken. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just having that offset, like you can see in the background here, and you know, a light in the background like that, it just creates a bit of interest, and just start adding little things. And again, open your software, open Zoom, whatever it is, and make sure you can see yourself and go like, oh, how does this actually look? And all software is different. Some will control it in different ways. They'll affect the lighting differently, or they may have a different Zoom factor. You might be able to control that. You might not be able to. So you need to, you know, experimentation and practice are just so key, especially with virtual and the software you're going to use. And just, yeah, just start making it a little more interesting over time. And it's that whole thing, again, watching from the uh, audience's view so you can see what they're going to see. You know, like, so I've got... Beak. These are the core values at ba- Unbounce. now <laughs> be the keynote. It spells those I love acronyms. And it, I spent a lot of time torturing <laughs> the... the the what I want to call them specifically, so I could get that. But I've been on, I've been on uh, presentations where this was backwards, so it just looked ridiculous. But unless I'd seen that and then oh, in the software I tried to flip it, but, you know, it just would have looked ridiculous. So yeah, you always got to try and do that. And honestly, if you have some plain boring rooms in your house, I I bet your spouse or partner, whatever. Will not be dissatisfied if you start making it look better <laughs> just put a little bit of effort in
0: absolutely, and you don't have to spend loads on equipment no. uh, I'm a big fan of decent lighting as well, and certainly both mm. of us are wearing glasses if if you wear glasses you you need to make sure that your key light is is not dead center it's um it's off to the side and it it's a bit of a more flattering light as well so a few basic things like that Definitely, will yeah. make a massive difference.
1: And it depends on the software. Like I have this set up mainly for my camera for recording and then sometimes Zoom. Right now I'm a bit too evenly balanced. Really kind of want to have about 50% on your fill light yeah. so you get that natural shadow. But one of the mistakes people make, I mean, you should try and, if you don't have any specialist lighting, try and do it on the cheap if you can't afford it. There's, there's many things you can do. Wistia, look up Wistia and like a $100 setup or whatever. They have great advice about how to do really cheap things go to home depot and buy some super cheap stuff to get a great lighting setup. Just don't do the vanity ring light thing.
0: Cause it makes oh, you look yes. like an alien. You get I'm these two giant in the center. things it's, in your, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I, I mean do do it uh, do it something like 30 degrees to your front. Um slightly on top of you for your key for, for your key light. I've got a newer key light an LED one. Um a 64 LED light and it's it's not that expensive. It was about I can't remember 60 70 pounds or something like that plus the stand. Right. You mentioned your fill light as well. It's um, it gives you the best quality lighting by having it to the side, so you have a natural shadow cast against your face to give you that more depth. And then your your fill light will just um, take away the harshness of that shadow, but uh, shadow, but still keep a little bit of it.
1: Yeah, and it's a little bit extra money, but get a get a softbox on your light because I have the same LED lights. They can be a bit harsh. I mean, you want to turn them right down to the lowest Kelvin, like so they're warmer. Yeah. Typically, uh, but a softbox makes a big difference. And if you can't afford one of those, then just use parchment paper or something. There's lots of different things you can just tape on the front of it to soften that and change the, you know, make it a bit warmer. But, uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do oh, absolutely, really absolutely. There's,
0: an, there's another light that I normally have as well, but I don't have on at the moment. Um, and that's um, called a, a room light. And, and that just lights up your your, your hair you just a little bit. Exactly. Where? Yeah. Or so behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Just to yeah. create that, that 3D image a little bit more. Yeah. And you be
1: careful out there. So it's a little bit. I saw a, a YouTube video of some guy who would obviously just learned about that because I saw previous videos, mm. didn't have it. And then he looked like an angel. It was just, it was so yeah. powerful. It was just this giant glow. <laughs> and I went, That's a little too much.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, it's got to look natural. And if you've got lighting in your background, just to soften up and break up and have something different. Ideally, your room light is going to be Approximately from that direction. So it looks as if that light's just shining right. over your shoulders That's as well. It. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, one other thing that you cover is um, about the presentation purpose reduce your big idea into a small one. And I guess too many people try to cover too many things.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's about understanding what it's about. And the, one of the ways I encourage people to do this is when you have your talk idea and you're going to start, don't jump into your slides. Just get go a Google Doc or something and use bullet points and write down every single thing you want to say. Like just a, this, 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 in as much detail as you can, just spew it all out. Hmm. Then maybe you say you've got 60 bullet points. Now the exercise is do it again, but you're only allowed 30. You distill it. Then you're allowed 15. Then you're allowed eight, four, two, 4, 2, and you can get down to 1. This is a great idea for a startup to It allows you to take your idea and put it down to the absolute simplest way of communicating it. And that should probably be a headline on your, on your, you know, your homepage, your landing page. It allows you to be able to communicate quickly. This is what my talk is. This is what it's about. This is why I'm doing this. And it's a simple exercise. It takes a little bit of time, but the detail will give you all of the things like I need this content in here. But that distillation of, of the purpose, it's just a wonderful way of you understanding your topic in more depth as well, going through that exercise. And yeah, it, it'll help you get to a, a good title as well. Which is important, especially for a multi-track event.
0: Is the ideal scenario to get to a stage where you don't have any text on the slide at all and you're just using images? Um, I mean, that's just more for the concept. But in terms of that,
1: the less text the better i mean the wall of text is the classic awful experience where there's 15 bullet points on the on a slide they're all there at the same time if you're gonna have bullet points and they're fine if you do it right you want to use the progressive reveal i've got a great video on that where you know they come one by one but as you go down the rest of them fade out like 15 percent opacity so it's always highlighting the one you're talking about there's nothing worse you're sitting in a meeting or presentation and the speaker's Turn around, and they're reading from their slides because they have to. Because there's so much text on there, everyone else is reading ahead. There is like it's boring. It's not engaging. They've got, they read faster. Like oh, yeah, I've got all that. Okay, now I have nothing to do, and I'm going to tune out. Uh, so you don't want to have tons of text. If you do, like there are certain situations. Like, say you have a quote. People put quotes on their slides all the time, like famous quotes. Don't read it. Speak to it. Let them read it. Um, but you give your perspective and talk about why that's important or why you're you're sharing that. But yeah, you should never be reading from your slides. And in a virtual presentation, sometimes you're going to have to. Like, say there's some detail and you want to you want to read it. You've got some notes. If you're nervous, you might have notes. So what you want to do, because eye contact is incredibly important with virtual presenting, because you don't have an audience, you can't look at them and engage them. You have to look at your camera, I have my camera like right in the middle of, I have a screen behind here with some notes and I can see you. It looks like I'm looking through the camera when I look at them. So you need the eye contact. And if you have a ton of detail on your slides, you're going to, and most people's setup is they'll have the webcam on their laptop. So then they're they're doing this and it's very obvious that they're looking down. So if you need to do that, but you want to maintain eye contact, ask the audience to look at the slide. So they're not looking at you, they're looking at the slide at the same time as you, or if you just need a quick reference, pretend you're thinking. Just kind of do a, ah, you know, down, down, down. you're looking at the slide, people don't need you to look at them because you're, you're, you're pondering something, you're being thoughtful and intelligent. It's, uh, you know, there's little techniques like that that can allow you to do that if you need a lot of text, but yeah, typically, if, yeah, breaking it down to something simpler. Break it down to more slides. If you have five points, make some bold statement or an image, whatever it is, on several slides and speak to them. Because people want to look into this world you're communicating. They don't want to look at it. You know, it's the same. If you have a, if you have a, a photo or something, don't make it tiny like that on this big slide. It looks ridiculous. Make it full screen. Do this search a bit harder to find a high-res image or take them yourself. Uh, I talk about original content mindset. Always take your own photos, record your own videos if you can, put those in, they'll be high res, and then it's immersive. If you're looking at a slide that's full, you're looking into this world versus looking at a photo. Uh, There's lots of things you can do. And if if you need to be communicating to the audience, but you don't need slides, use a black slide. It takes their focus away from looking at that Back to you. You can talk as long as you want, especially if it's a meaningful moment or something or a personal story. Then they're really paying attention to you and not whatever you had in the background. Hopefully not an animated gift that's just playing and playing. Everyone's looking at that when they should be looking at you. So having a blank slide, ideally black, is a great way to re-engage people back to you.
0: I love those little pieces of gold that you're sharing as part of uh, your advice there and. It's so easy for me to keep the conversation going here and ask further follow up questions, but we can't keep on talking all day, unfortunately. Yeah, the uh, the viewer, the listener is going to have to go and check out be the keynote.com. But just before we get on to the second section of our discussion, I just want to talk about where yeah. the skills, what, what we talked about, actually fits into the overall business model, the marketing model. So we're talking about webinars, we're talking about virtual summits. Where, in your opinion, yeah. As a piece of content, do webinars and, and, and virtual summits actually fit into the overall content marketing mix?
1: Uh, first of all, we have to realize that everyone's doing it now. So it's more important than ever to be better and stand out. One thing, stop calling them webinars, make it a virtual event or something, because webinars, an old term, and it sounds really dull. And you need to, a lot of it, it's incredibly important. And one of the things a lot of events are doing right now is they're going to pre recorded. It allows videos to be edited. Uh, You don't have 10 speakers all having tech problems. Everything's finished and ready, and it's much more professional. And some people think, well, but it's not live. But what people do then is you're seeing the recording of the event, but the speaker is there and they're in the chat. They're engaging even more because they can have a conversation in the moment, answer questions, and it's really good. And when you do that as a speaker, uh, as a brand, you're creating and editing ideally this. Excellent piece of content that doesn't disappear when the event's over. But then you can use that in your marketing. You can break it up into little things. You can put it on YouTube. You can, you can make it an on-demand uh, piece of content that you can use for lead gen. And I encourage every speaker record your presentation in as high quality and well lit. And upgrade your mic is the first thing you should do. Mm. People will not turn off your video because it doesn't look great. They will get out of there immediately if your audio sucks. And so yeah. Always think about the fact that you want a finished piece of content that you can use. Don't let your hard work and expertise disappear the moment the event's over.
0: Absolutely. Let's segue to part two of our discussion. So it's now time for Ollie's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with secret software. So Ollie, share a lesser known MarTech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you. This is
1: actually not necessarily a martech tool but it can be used as one is what i think so the thing i'm most excited about right now is bubble.io it's a no code platform i've not been this excited about software in a decade it is they just raised 100 mil, million and for the campaign where they mentioned that their tagline was like uh making the technical co-founder obsolete the things you can do with it i'm building an app for be the keynote it's Absolutely incredible. And if you have a lot of marketing teams are going through kind of the product led growth strategy right now, where you're making little apps, little functional pieces of content instead of a PDF or whatever, you're making little tools, little marketing tools for people, and that becomes your marketing strategy. So this is not a Martech tool, but you can use it to build these apps. That typically you'd have a, a developer, a growth hacker who has some technical skills making this thing for you. Then they leave. Nobody can. Nobody understands the code, and it just kind of falls apart. This can let almost anyone create something really quickly that can be functionally useful for your audience, and it's a much better way to do lead gen because it's legitimately.
0: So, when we're talking about apps, are we talking about a mobile app that you have to download? Or are we talking no. about something that is embedded on a web page?
1: Yeah, basically, you can create a website in this, but you can create a fully functional uh, web app. You can do mobile stuff as well. Here's an example. In 20 minutes with this platform, you can, and this is one of the things they do in the intro, so I'll just just mention this. You can have uh, an authenticated user. They can sign up, they can log in, they can log out. You could have a Google map with, and you can pin different places. When you pin them, it goes into the database because it has a whole database behind it. You don't have to do any of that. And you can have a list of all these things you pinned. You can have voting on them, ordered by the voting. You could create that whole experience in twenty minutes, the authentication alone of trying to build a backend system and having login, log out, and registration—you need a good developer for that. You need a lot of time. It's totally game-changing for anyone who wants to create something who isn't technical. Being technical helps, but it's absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I think. A great creative marketer should actually be leading the overall proposition of the business as well and suggesting new things that the business should be doing, new markets that the, the, the business um, should be in. I see you're nodding away there. So uh, I guess you're in agreement with that. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. And doing
1: things like this, getting little functional tools in front of your audience will help. They'll suddenly go like, this is amazing. Why isn't this your product? Or why isn't this built into your product? It's a great way of MVPing features or little things that might actually go into what you, add, you know what you do, because you'll see how excited people get about it, how useful it
0: is. Okay, well let's move on from something that you currently use to something that you're going to use. So that is next on the list. So what's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet, but you want to test soon?
1: <laughs> it's a very self-referential. And I'm not trying to be selfish, but it's the thing I'm building for Be The Keynote that creates this presentation experience design. The reason I say that is because I was doing, I have regular check-ins every couple of weeks with peers where we kind of just, you know, support each other because entrepreneurship is difficult. You know, I share my my work, the latest stage of this app, and they do, I was meeting with Tommy Walker, who's who runs the content studio, an amazing, amazing content guy. And we share what we're doing. And I shared this to him, and he was like, he was blown away. I I had a one-minute animated explainer video that I made in Keynote. It wasn't the functional app, which I'm now building. And he was it blew his mind. He's from the film, he has a film background, and he said, This whole way that you structure this presentation, it's the same as writing a screenplay. Different terminology, but everything you've done is exactly that, and there's nothing out there for screenwriters so and, and i'm learning that every time i have a problem that i have to work on maybe i'm doing a video coming I mean, up with a story for it i use my tool that i've already started building it's the answer to almost everything i'm struggling with right now and so i'm just excited to get it out to people because i it has many many use cases so yeah self-referential but i'm excited to use the thing i'm building
0: any idea oh, when the launch forward. date will be um, like
1: a, a beta kind of thing, hopefully in two months.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I'm sure it's exciting and appealing, certainly to all those many people that have checked out your material so far. And I, I like the way that um, you talk about things being experiential as well. When I mean, I produce podcasts and YouTube shows for B2B brands. And whenever I talk to them about the quality of the content that they should be producing, I ask them the question, You know, who's your competitor, and they list off their direct competitors, i.e. businesses that are doing the same things. And I'm saying one of your key competitors is actually Netflix, because it's taking your consumer's attention and time. And they're used to consuming that quality of content. And unless you produce that quality of content or reasonably near to it, you're going to switch them off by what you're publishing.
1: Definitely. And we have to move in that direction. You know, these days you write a blog post because you want to get links. It's people's desire to read like that is rapidly diminishing. Everything's about video now. I mean, it's very cliche. It's like the year of mobile, <laughs> you know, which took like 10 years to actually happen. But video is kind of the only way now.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, now, it's that's inc- becoming
1: the crowded space, but it is.
0: It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, even. F- f- six years ago um when um, marketers were told um you have to be embracing video you have to be publishing all of your content in video form i don't think most people really embraced it but nowadays you can't afford not to
1: yeah we knew that at unbounce yeah we weren't doing it It it's very frustrating for you know people on content team even like they want to do it but we it wasn't being made happen. They weren't being given the, it, they weren't being empowered to do that. They weren't being given the budget to buy the gear. It doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then that can lead your content strategy because you can break it up into so many, so many ways.
0: So let's move on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round, 10 quick questions, okay. just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word yep. both on one occasion, so use it wisely. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. TikTok or Twitter? Twitter. Facebook or LinkedIn? You used to hit LinkedIn. LinkedIn now. YouTube or podcast?
1: Oh, YouTube for me. My wife, podcast.
0: <sighs> Traffic or leads? Traffic. Paid search or SEO?
1: It's all that paid now.
0: Ads or influencers?
1: Ads or influencers?
0: Yes. Uh, uh, Ads. Google ads or Facebook ads? Mm, Facebook. Email marketing or chat marketing? Oof. Uh, Email. Martech stack or all-in-one platform? Stack. One to one or scale? Scale. Were, I didn't say
1: both ones. <laughs> I use that on the yeah, one. there were a
0: few challenges, <laughs> There were a few ums and ahs. Um, what was the biggest challenge? You obviously ummed an ad over podcast or YouTube, but there was another one as well. Um, I think it was um, um, traffic or leads. And you said traffic. Yeah. And I was quite surprised with that, actually, because obviously you'd come from a you know, a brand that actually just focused on lead generation, almost. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I did struggle with that. Uh, I think without traffic, where you're going to get leads from? Mm. So I mean, it's chicken and egg. And I'd rather have the hum of the interest coming in versus you. I mean, I'll get leads after that. So you know, I'm not going to get traffic from leads. Well, I mean, you know, even leads bring them back, but. At my stage, as an entrepreneur, I just want some traffic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on to the $10,000 question. If I were to $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? single thing?
1: Uh, I'm going to squeak an extra one in. I'd buy a few hugs. It's very lonely as a solo founder. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would I would um, get a bubble developer, someone way more experienced than me, because I'm really good at it so far, but I know it's becoming sloppy. I'd get someone that can take what I'm doing and make it something that can be professionally out and being used by people without breaking, without losing their work. That's my biggest fear. I'll make something, they'll do something great with it, and they'll lose their work because I'm not saving it properly. So I'd get some more experience to take my idea and make it stable.
0: So, have you used that platform to build a lot of the content that exists at the moment on be the keynote? No,
1: nothing. It's really I, I designed the UI for the. It's called a pulse line. as part of this um, presentation experience design thing, basically, where you have you break your talk down into your pulse line is the heartbeat of your talk. Pulses are the different um, parts of that, and inside those, they have the the narrative. They have a definition of the performance. How you will uh present that, what slides you'll have, and the experience moments you want to give to the audience. So that's all plotted on these. And afterwards you can look at it and go, oh, I want to be funny. That's my main thing, or whatever. I'm only funny here, here, and here. I need to put some more in there. It allows you to structure that. But I've lost the question now. Oh, so I'm I did a, a mock-up in keynote of the the UI. And I was thinking this is going to cost me so much money I have a developer build this because it's a very strange interaction. I built it all myself. Bubble. I have this functioning uh, web app already that does all this complicated stuff, and it's just blew, blowing my mind. That
0: I'm should it not be a con- concern, though, for marketers that um, maybe should have their focus on other areas that they're going to have their eyes turned by this incredible application and they should be doing other things instead? They should be getting someone else to do this on their behalf.
1: I would say perhaps someone else on the team, maybe. Or I would say that it's the reason to start doing something like this is just to see what's possible mm. because it will inspire you. Because a lot of the time, a marketer will come up with an idea. This is what I want to present to my audience in order to get leads or to move them you know, closer to becoming a customer. But I can't make it. It's just an idea. I can't build it. This allows you to start doing that. And if you can't, Push it all the way. You can hand it off, but it will ins- it will change the way you think about what's possible. And I think that's really critical for a marketer because marketers have to move towards becoming technical marketers. I believe I think that's the skill you have to have. Know a little bit of code, be able to make you know a web page, learn how to write, and try building something. I think that is the direction marketers should be going. Shouldn't hide behind. The I can't do that, I need a developer to do that, I'm never going to do it. Try it yourself, it'll change how you work.
0: I really like the answer to know what's possible. I I think that too too, too many marketers, I guess, um, aren't at the cutting edge of what's possible. And therefore, I guess their overall marketing activities tend to be held back and uh, aren't as advanced as they could be because they're not at the cutting edge.
1: Yeah, and everybody has good ideas. But when you're relying on the product team to build it, Mm. which they'll either never do, or it'll go right to the back of the queue, at which point it's become obsolete or pointless, because it's something you wanted to do in the moment, taking a bit of that control to yourself is empowering, and it can really accelerate your creativity and your skills uh, and also your path to, you know, if you have, if someone has, someone's just doing lead gen, they got a PDF, that's your competition doing that. If you have a functional little, little app that does a few things, let's say it's just a, an ROI calculator, something like that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, a little thing people can put in. And yeah, I'm always searching for compound interest calculator. Just to try and see if i invested (laughs) this much, what are we like in 20 years? Build things like that. When you know what your customers kind of have questions about, building little things that solve those problems will make you way more useful than your competitor who just puts out a PDF.
0: Get saving for your pensions now, kids. That's the way to do it. (laughs) To do that early. (laughs) That's what compound interest is all about. (laughs) (laughs) So um, to finish off, let's shift the focus to someone else who deserves it. So that is a magical marketer. So who's an up and coming marketer that you'd like to give a shout out to? What can we learn from them and where can we find them?
1: I would say Ross Simmons. He's the D Simmons uh, foundation marketing foundation, He's we've had him speaking at CTA conf. He, his content is ridiculously actionable. He's very lovely. He's impeccably dressed. And as a speaker, He'll either make you angry because you're not able to type or write fast enough to take notes, or he'll just make you happy that you spent the time and money to be there. He's yeah. And he has a great content and he's just very accessible, very open. And I I think that's fantastic.
0: Okay. Yeah. Foundationinc.co is the website address there. You can find um, Ross Simmons there, but um I will, of course, um, show and share um, everything that you mentioned um, in terms of resources and the show notes um, over at digitalmarketingradio.com. This was episode 260 of Digital Marketing Radio, where Ollie Gardner from Be The Keynote shared some wonderful tips about making a virtual presentation, walking in your customer's shoes, um, look at things from your customer's perspective. So don't just log in to the software from a presenter's perspective, use another Device and log in um, from um, a non-logged-in perspective or a, a viewer perspective and see what your presentation looks like. Um, you, you, sh- you shared a talk by Tiffany uh, De Silva, or I'll link to that as well. Um, we talked about great lighting, removing the wall of text, and also stop calling webinars webinars. Call them something um, <laughs> you know incredible. You know, for, for virtual summit or just incredible now. <laughs> <laughs> incredible <laughs> there we go yeah there, there, there is the domain available incredible.com. um so anyway um your secret software was bubble.io um the um the best way to get uh, and build web apps without code is what they see on their website. So it's certainly something i'll be checking out as well uh, your next on the list was what you're actually building at the moment for be the keynote and your magical marketer was ross simmons uh, from foundation inc ollie uh, what's the best social platform for someone to follow you and say hi Twitter, uh, Twitter, Ollie Gardner. That's definitely the best place. Superb. Okay, I will include that in the show notes as well. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Um, absolutely great to have you. I've been your host, Eva Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts and YouTube shows for BTV brands over at castingcred.com. Until we meet again, stay hungry, stay foolish, and stay subscribed. Aloha. DigitalMarketingRadio.com <laughs> DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, DigitalMarketingRadio.com